I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. Today, my guest is Dr. Mark Polinsky. He is a sustainability scientist at Finch, where he helps consumers use science to make more informed and sustainable choices. Growing up in Syracuse on the shores of Onondaga Lake, Onondaga Lake, right? Which is it? Yes. I, that right? I should know this. I'm from Buffalo. Um, long I went to college in Buffalo. There you go. You did? All right. Long considered to be the most polluted lake in North America. I did not know that. His physical proximity to the real world impacts of environmental neglect and abuse lit a fire in him. He was a PhD in chemical and environmental engineering from Yale University, where his focus area was the impact of nanotechnology on the environment. Now, the, Yale is not in New York. So... Yeah, Yale's Connecticut. I did my undergrad in Buffalo and then I went to Yale for my PhD. Yeah. There you go. Well, welcome. How are you? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, this is actually, we are going to talk about today because I know like your goal is to inform consumers um, how to shop more sustainably. So what is a sustainability scientist? Yeah, so a sustainability scientist is uh, a person who looks at all aspects of a product and tries to understand how it interacts with the environment and how it interacts with people. So we consider things like the climate change impacts of what you buy. We consider things like the materials that go into those. So how rare is the material? Is it causing deforestation? Might it hurt animals? Um, And we also think about the ingredients that are inside your products. So uh, things along the lines of the chemicals that you use, uh, if they're natural or not, and how those impact you as a person, but also how they impact the air water, soil, uh, and animals and plants around you. Well, that's, those are very hot topics today. I'm glad that we have people researching it because the rest of us are just trying to get by on a daily basis. And my question for you, my next question is the issue of plastics and cosmetics seems to be getting more attention lately. Is this happening across other verticals or is the beauty industry a particularly bad actor? So, I mean, this is a problem across basically every industry possible. Um, so I have a couple kind of scary, but kind of interesting stats on this one. So, you know, as, as, (laughs) as a a species, uh, so we produce about 350 million tons of plastic every year. So to kind of put that in perspective, that's more plastic weight per year than the weight of every single human on the planet. Um, it actually comes out to equal about 9 billion humans worth of plastic is made every single year. Um, and you know, there's this horrible kind of growth happening in the plastic industry that we're gonna get to this point in maybe, uh, 20 or so years where the entire mass of plastic that's inside of the ocean is going to weigh more than, you know, all the fish that are in the ocean. So this is kind of an issue that is, is growing and becoming more and more of a concern. Um, you've probably heard of the great Pacific garbage patch, uh, that is, you know, centered in, in the Pacific, right, right now. 
it is about three times the size of France. It's just, this is a monumental issue that just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, but the, the larger, the largest issue here is that, you know, these plastics are not just, you know, they don't just look bad when you go to the beach, right? You don't obviously don't want to see like a bottle of, of Coke wash up on the beach as you're trying to have a nice beach day, right? right. That's not the biggest problem with these. Obviously they're ugly and they look terrible, but more importantly, you know, they have a lot of issues that relate to, uh, you know, that can harm your health, that can harm the health of, of aquatic species, that can harm the health of aquatic uh, plants. And all of that kind of works its way up to you, but also it kind of ruins the biodiversity of the planet. So this isn't just a problem in the beauty industry. Um, that being said, mm-hmm. there is a very specific part of this problem that is very, very unique to the beauty industry. Um, there are, I call them three main reasons that plastics in the beauty industry are just like such a huge issue. Okay. Um, the first one is, you know, in the beauty industry, all your personal care products and your makeup is in direct contact with your body, your face all day long. Right. Um, so that obviously means that that kind of contact for a long period of time means that there's more likely to be a chance of impact from those, those plastic based products. Uh, the second reason is, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm done, you know, when someone's done wearing makeup or, or using their personal care products, those are washed down the drain, right? You're, sitting over the sink, yep. you're scrubbing your face clean, yep. it's going down the drain. And as a result, those plastics and the chemicals related to them are actually entering the water directly, right? And there's not very many industries where you have this direct movement from uh, straight into a water stream. And you know, the final reason that I think we can talk about in a little bit is uh, this thing called a microplastic. And this is pretty unique to the beauty industry because in the beauty industry, microplastics are pretty pervasive. Uh, they tend to be in all kinds of products from uh, your makeup to shampoos, to conditioners, to moisturizers, to, and especially in things like facial cleansers. Uh, and these microplastics are designed to be in there, mm. but also at the same time, they have this huge and kind of wide reaching impact on aquatic life and, and you as a human. Oh my goodness. Well, so explain like the impact that that can have, please. Uh, so the microplastics, you mean? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So, so microplastics are, uh, they do ha- tend to have some damage to potential damage to human health and to environmental health. Uh, one of the reasons for this, uh, the, I can go kind of into what a microplastic is, but yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I would love to. So, so microplastics are basically any plastic that exists that is less than, I believe it's five millimeters in size, okay. which is kind of a weird name because they're called microplastics, but that's like a milliplastic, but I will not <laughs> that's go into that. Cares. Okay. Weird. Yeah. Weird right. naming system. I don't know. I won't, I won't complain too much about it, but, but yeah, so these little plastics can go all the way down to the nanoscale, which is for those who don't know, the nanoscale is 10,000 to a hundred thousand times smaller than like one of your hairs. It's incredibly mm. small. You can only see it with really specialized microscopes. And, you know, so we don't even know that they're there mm-hmm. uh, unless you have like, special equipment to see it. So what happens is these, these microplastics exist in a couple different forms. So it can enter uh, the environment as just a normal plastic bottle, a normal plastic container. And then over time, the sun will beat down on it. It'll bump up against other stuff. It'll all rub off as tiny, tiny, tiny little particles, right? 
And the places we found those kinds of particles are crazy. You know, we found them on the top of Mount Everest in a study last year in Environment International. They found them on the top of Mount Everest. And then two years before that, they found them at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. So we're finding these things in the highest point on Earth and the lowest point on Earth. And it's, they're, so they're everywhere, you know. So that, that's one kind. The other kind are called primary microplastics. Mm-hmm. So these primary microplastics are the ones that are put in there on purpose. And back in 2015, there was a law passed that said, hey, you can't put these microplastics into products anymore. And in 2019 was supposed to be the time by which all those microplastics were removed. But unfortunately, you know, there's been skirts around the law a little yeah. bit. So, so they, they still exist in a lot of what we use today. So are, uh, are women thinking that they're using products that don't contain these, but they found a way around it and they're still in the products? Yeah, you're... so I think that, yeah, I think that actually there hasn't been as much, you know, uh, knowledge for right. most people that these are even in there, right? So uh, have you ever heard of microbeads before? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. So microbeads, microbeads are that, right? And you ever notice that there's like fewer microbeads in your stuff? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. in part because they had to, had to eliminate them, right? Yeah. But however, these microbeads do still exist in a lot of products. So there's one example that I like, um, I like leaning on. Okay. Uh, if I can just remember what, remember what the exact thing was called. But there, there's one product from, uh, let's see. I remember Biore had a... a uh, a microbead scrub years ago. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're extremely common. So right. one, one example, sorry, I found the example now, um, was it's a clean and clear facial cleanser. Okay. So they have this thing called bursting beads in there and right. they actually claim and they say, hey, this is free of microplastics. There's no plastic-based microplastics, uh, but they do have a thing in there called acrylate copolymer. And acrylate copolymer is literally a plastic. And it is used inside the product. Um, it has a couple of different purposes, right? It helps it to feel a little bit smoother. Um, and in some cases, it can help to kind of uh, clean, clean the skin a little bit rougher if you need it, like if you push harder on it, right? Okay. So there's all these kinds of different plastics that are- well, They're being sneaky is what you're saying. They're being sneaky. They're being, sneaky. They're being okay. very, very sneaky. And my uh, guess is if they're being sneaky, other companies are being sneaky as well. Yeah, so they are- Fair you know, yeah, the ways that the laws were kind of written right. allows for you to kind of sneak these, you know, these copolymers in there, right? And uh, there are there are thousands of copolymers out there, so it's impossible for for you know that regu- those regulations to cover all of them, right? And right. so as long as you're sneaky about it, you kind of sneak it in there, uh, then people don't really know. Hey, I can't believe that I'm using this thing because you just they tell you that it's not in there legally, right? So it's a little bit sneaky. It's neat, but. But can we find this if we read the labels? Like the problem is most of us can't even pronounce or understand what are on these labels. I mean, I, I know I look at things and one could say that if you buy products that are completely natural and have, you know, ingredients that you recognize that that should be safer, but it probably isn't either because now we could be talking, and this was my next question about um, the container, the packaging that it's in. So even if the product itself is free of plastics if it's housed in a plastic container. I wanted to talk a bit about leaching because that's where the chemicals and the plastic leach out into the products. So 
if that's true, what are their impacts on human health, like the user, those of us that use the makeup, and what could their impact be on the environment once it's washed off in the shower, the bathtub, sink, whatever, the, you know, as you mentioned before, when we wash it off? Yeah, no, of course. What about I mean, leaching, I guess is my question. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Le- leaching is also a humongous problem, right? So, right. so I, you know, I, for the record, have the same issues you do when I look at the back of a package. Right. I'm, a, I'm a chemist. By, I'm a chemist by training, and I still don't recognize half of these ingredients. I have to look right. them up myself. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. As you said, you know, they don't have to tell you exactly what the packaging is made of. They only have to tell you what the ingredients are made right. of. Right. And these packaging uh, tend to have a couple different. So it's not just the plastic by itself in the packaging. They actually add chemicals to make the plastic kind of do what they want it to do. So mm-hmm. the plastic has a very you know set amount of a bend that it has has a really set amount of, of give or, or strength, but by adding different chemicals, so things like plasticizers or phthalates, they can change how flexible that polymer is and they can change, you know, how much it, how, how much durability it has, et cetera. Right. So those things that are in there with the plastic, yeah, they can leach out with time. So what'll happen is these, these chemicals aren't like, you know, they aren't as well bound, you could say. They're not as well like stuck together with the chemicals that are in there. And so as you get them warm or as you leave them out in the sun for too long um, or as you kind of just let them age over time, they can kind of leak in. So one example I look at is uh, what's called PFAS. PFAS are this kind of emerging set of chemicals that are of concern. Uh, they stand for per and polyfluoral alkyl substances. And what they do is they are waterproof. So if you put them and line something with these PFAS, it'll make it so the water kind of doesn't stick to the surface. But uh, a study from last year out of the University of Indiana found that they looked at like 231 different cosmetic products. And they said, I wonder if there's any PFAS in here. Um, only 8% of the cosmetics that they looked at actually said, hey, there's some kind of PFAS inside of this cosmetic, just letting you know, right? the ingredients listed it. But when they actually ran it through their instrumentation, they found that 52% of these cosmetics actually had some form of PFAS in them. And they, wow. they attributed that to, you know, leaking out, leaching out of, of the plastic that the container, like the plastic container that the, the makeup and the cosmetics were in. Whoa. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I'm more concerned about leaching. I, I know, like, I no longer heat anything when it comes to food in a plastic container. I take it out. I put it in a, you know, ceramic bowl. Then I put a plate over it. Like, I don't use saran yeah. wrap anymore. I'm very careful about that. But, you know, then I'm careful about a lot of the products, the beauty products that I use and skincare products. And, you know, I read the ingredients. I'm like, oh, this is great. But I don't give a second thought really to the packaging. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's hard to think about it. Right. Because what other, you know, what other packaging options are there out there? Right. There's plastic. There's obviously, you know, there's glass and there's metal and it's hard to decide which one of these is, you know, the best for you and your, your health and your skin, but also what's the best for fighting climate change and, and, making sure that you're limiting waste as much as possible. And it becomes mm-hmm. kind of daunting because there's just so many options out there. Well, yeah, it's like opening a Pandora's box, right? You know, you just, it, it, 
you think about it because, okay, that glass, let's say you buy all your products in glass. That's great. But what if you travel? What if you want to take it somewhere? That's not, you know, it's heavy. It's not easy to travel with it. And so, the, you know, then you end up buying a little container. It's just, it, you could lose your mind. Just <laughs> It's, it's wild. There's, there's so many yeah. trade-offs, right? You can find something that is good for climate change, uh, but it might not be as good for maybe water use, right? So these packaging right. differences are they're tiny, but you know, you add them together, they could make they could make a change. They add up, um, yeah. and there are general rules of thumb to follow. But overall, it's really really hard to do good all the time. And so I always just tell people do the best you can. And if you can do the best you can, then you're at least doing you know a pretty good job, and, and you're doing better than you would have if you had just not cared at all. Or like be aware, be aware, be aware, you know, be aware. Try your best, right? And well, and you know, follow what you. Can and follow and do what you can do. You just mentioned the rules of thumb. What, what are those? Can you share what you... Yeah, so I, I tend to tell people a few things. So when I uh, want people to buy things that are in a container, especially liquids, so mm-hmm. you know, liquid, liquid soaps, liquid moisturizers, uh, it's a little bit complicated, but I would generally say find reusable containers. So even reusable plastics, I know that we're talking about leaching and we're talking about microplastics but reusable plastics are a pretty good bet overall. So you will have some leaching a little bit, but it's usually not enough to have any real damage to you or real damage to the environment, okay. um, especially after you had the bottle and you've you know, refilled it a few times. Um, and overall, actually, if you use the same plastic bottle over and over and over again, um, eventually the damage to the planet and to you uh, weirdly uh, works out through some weird, some very strange and fun for me. Uh, scientific models that we run uh, called life cycle assessments. Okay. Uh, but I, beyond that, I mean, if you really, really want to avoid the leaching as well, you know, reusable glass bottles tend to be the best choice. Uh, you don't really need to line them with any plastics that might have BPA in them or anything like that, like you do with some metal containers. Uh, right. They last forever, uh, unless, unless you break them, obviously. So please be careful. Do not, do not uh, cut yourself on accident. Right. Um, but you know, they, they last forever. And if you really need to, you know, you can just bring it to the next store, refill it again, or reuse it for something else. And that's a really easy thing to do, uh, to help out in the long term. And the last, the last bit I always give people is, you know, go towards solid products as well. So solid bar soap, solid shampoo, Yeah. because, because part of that is, you know, these solids, they'll weigh less than, than a liquid will for the same amount of washes, which means that traveling with them has a lower carbon footprint, but also the containers they come in are cardboard and cardboard is way more recyclable than plastic is. So I actually, personally, I use bar soap and I use bar shampoo because I want to lean towards this more sustainable option. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm always sent samples of things and, and, you know, uh, the bar soap, like I don't like it. (laughs) <laughs> I've tried. Really? Yeah, I don't. I'm like, a, in fact, I, I get sent bar soap and I give it away because I just don't like it. Like I like liquid soaps, but I wish that more, you know, that I think about it, I, you know, would wish I could take my, a con, you know, maybe a glass container somewhere and have it refilled. So at least, you know, I'm cutting down on that, but you're right. I, I don't do that. And it's, I don't like, I've tried them. I, I, and maybe there's some out there I haven't tried yet that are fantastic, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly. Yeah. 
I, I get you. I, I do. I will say I love when I go to like a hotel or to like Airbnb and they have those big jars of soap and stuff like that, that yeah. you can tell they're just refilling for each guest. Because yeah. then I know that I'm not using that small little sample size thing. And I don't have to rely on that tiny little bar soap that you can't even grab without dropping it. Yeah, um, exactly. And, I could, and they yeah. get slimy and gross. Like that's like, that's just, I Pass. can't, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I just can't. I, I, but you know, I, I'm hoping my hope though, is that more beauty and skincare lines offer refillable options. Like I can think of some stores off the top of my head. Like what about like a, a bath and body works, like being able to, you know, there's tons of plastic when you go in there. What if they, it would be great if some of these companies would sell some sort of a container that we can refill. Now, wait, but that does bring up another thing. When we talk about glass and like, I've learned this with some food products that when light gets in through the glass, now it can you know, change or harm the product. So, I mean, are you talking like coated glass or frosted glass? Because if it's just clear glass, that can also uh, compromise the product, can it not? It, it definitely can. Yeah. So clear glass, uh, when, you know, when sunlight or light beats down on right. it, it can do what's called oxidizing it. And that right. basically changes the chemical formulation of what's inside. It takes a long time. It only really impacts like a very small amount of the product, but you do it long enough and you are going to, you know, yeah. your product's going to get a little bit ruined. It might not, might not smell as good, might, might not work as well over time. Uh, but yeah, so I would suggest something along the lines of maybe like amber glass, which mm-hmm. doesn't really allow as much light through, or you could try, yeah, frosted glass also is a right. great option because right. both of these options make it so the oxidation takes much longer. And so that right. product lasts for much longer. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, that's like, I know, for instance, vitamin C turns very quickly and that's sort of a hot uh, staple in, in beauty products now, especially in anti-aging, which is really, you know, my, my niche. And uh, I, I know it, it turns very quickly. So, you know, having vitamin C in a glass container is probably not the best, but then you have to weigh out the plastics. Oh, it's a lot to think about, isn't it? It's a lot to think about. It definitely is. I mean, there, there's, there's everything. There's a lot of trade-offs out there, um, you know, because we're not only thinking about our own health, right? We're also thinking about climate change and waste too. So it becomes a whole kind of triangle of, of different things to think about along the way. And then you think of like all the single use plastic in the industry, again, like travel size or samples. And how does single use plastic packaging, packaging, excuse me, uh, contribute to the waste and climate change relative to other single use packaging, like the metal glass, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I, you know, we think about single waste or single use plastic all the time. Right. So obviously single use plastic is, is not great for waste. It's, it causes a lot of waste. We, the EPA reported that I think, believe in 2018, we were only recycling about 9% of the plastic that we actually threw into the recycling bin. Oh so God. it's a really, really, really low amount. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird and long story, but we used to send a lot of our plastic um, abroad where then they would recycle them into new products for us. But right. then other countries stopped accepting our plastic a few years back. So now we're kind of stuck with all this plastic and without our own proper ways of recycling, we end up throwing a lot of it in the trash. 
So you mean we spend all this time picking through our garbage and, you know, putting the plastics in one container and the, you know, we, we recycle and you're saying it's still ending up not being recycled. So yeah, yeah, that's true. But I will say like, you should definitely keep recycling. Of course. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying (laughs) how disheartening that you think when it leaves your house, you know, we put out, we put our recycles in one thing, we put glass in one, we put plastic in another, paper in another, you know, and we, the garbage, you know, the, the garbage gets removed and then we have the recycle day. We're very aware of this in my household. My husband had to work hard on me about this, by the way, because back about 15 years ago, when we got married, we lived in different states and they had very different rules about recycling. So I had to be trained. <laughs> But it's, now I'm really good complicated. at it. Yeah, you know. It changes by state, right? So right. I live in New York state now and right. it's kind of all single. You put it all into one thing and it'll be taken care of. But I think it'll be taken care of, right? That's you think it'll, well, yeah, right. you think it'll be taken care of. Right. I will say though, you know, the reason that we're at 9% recycling is because people do the right thing in terms of washing out the plastics right. um, and making sure that they're in the recycling bin. If you just throw them in the garbage then that number goes down even more. So right. I always say, please like definitely recycle because the numbers are going up. That number used to be only like three or 4% a few years before that. So oh, okay, that's good to know. Okay. So if, if we look at that and we say, Hey, look at these increases over time, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get to a point soon where as we recycle more and more and more of that, of that plastic will be going back into the products that we use and we'll need to use less oil and stuff like that over time. Good. Um, but okay. spe- speaking of, I mean, speaking of glass and metal, I will say those are way more recyclable. So I think that metals recycled at about 50% rate, which is pretty good. Okay. So half the stuff you throw out gets recycled. Um, and then uh, glass is about like 35% or so. So about a third of all the glass you throw out is also being recycled. Those are all like, those are very, very good numbers. As compared to plastic, which is what percent did you say? Uh, about 9%. Ooh. Okay, everybody, you heard it here. So uh, try to cut back on plastic as much as you can. Um, Please do. Plastic yeah. is the hardest one to recycle. You know, chemically, it's very complicated, so it's really hard to recycle. But and you're saying that, that where we used to ship it off to, now they don't even want it anymore. So, and we're just probably not even up to speed in the U.S. To that's kind of sad. Hopefully, I'm hoping this younger generation is. You know, it seems they're much more aware of these things, and you know, hopefully, we can start doing a better job here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, this is the value of using multi-use products, right? right. Um, you know, and I'd say, I'd say this is also a good reason to lean to- more towards glass containers and metal containers, because in terms of carbon footprint, which is, you know, slightly different than waste, the carbon footprint of a plastic bottle is actually less than the same glass bottle or metal bottle, because you use like way less heat to make that bottle, right? So okay. you're producing less greenhouse gases. Okay. But since the glass and the metal is more recyclable and you can send it back and then reuse that metal again over and over and over again, or you can send that glass back and use it over and over and over again, we get to this point where even though that footprint originally of the plastic was lower, now the glass and the metal are just as low and they become the better option over time. Um, okay. And you know, the more that you use a single use product, that carbon footprint is spread out like, the entire time you use the product. So it ends right. up being really low over time if you can use the same container over and over again. So you're saying it's okay to reuse a plastic container 
Yeah. So it's, so I would say that I would suggest using, reusing a plastic container over single use plastic every time, every single time. Okay. Um, the, the chemicals that we were talking about earlier, the leaching and stuff right, like right. that, um, right. you know, that, that does tend to it, over time, it'll keep happening, but it'll happen slower and slower and slower with time. So Why? because it, more of it leached out the first time you refilled it. Or? <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. There's only, basically. there's only pretend, right. pretend there's, you know, a hundred, a hundred particles of the stuff that's leaching out. Eventually there's going to be zero, right? Right. It's not going to leach out it's, or the stuff that's in there will kind of be stuck. Right? Well, I remember, so. I remember back in the day, and I'm I'm saying like probably in like the late '90s, you know, I would go to the gym, and I would buy, let's say, a a Poland spring water, you know, to bring in to my class, and then I would toss it in my car when it was empty, and then I'd like rinse it out and take it to the gym, and then fill it with the water from, you know, they had like a a filtered water station. And I would just keep refilling this. Pl- and then I remember hearing, oh my God, don't do that. That plastic container is leaching tons of plastics into the water when you refill it. And I, so I, you know, then I switched to a, you know, a bottle, uh, or, you know, like a, like the kind I use today that I use over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I, I would, I would true? agree with the people that told you that. So, okay, good. So Cause that's actually, stopped immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so this goes back, actually, this actually kind of also goes back to the microplastics thing. Right. So, um, you know, as a human, you ingest probably like 50,000 microplastics a year or p- little tiny individual pieces mm-hmm. that you can't even see, right? They're coming from your water or like seafood. Um, but it's, it, they exist more in your like Poland spring water bottle. So there were studies right. that were done over the last couple of years that found that like a bottle of tap water has way less of this issue than a normal, like a, a bottle of Poland spring. And right. you know, this is, like I said, this is a, it's a issue that's pervasive. They, a study last year uh, in 2021 found the first example of microplastics inside the placenta, which means that we're mm-hmm. being, like, we're being exposed to these things before we're even born now. Oh God. Um, so, you know, this is, that's just another way to kind of avoid those microplastics from getting into the environment and getting into you, uh, is, is to avoid drinking out of single use bottled water and lean more towards, you know, a, a, a Yeti water bottle like I have, right. uh, which is made of, of, of aluminum, keeps my water cold all day long and doesn't leach anything. And it tastes great the whole day. Yeah. But then see, but then there's also the, okay, now we're going to get really into it, but like Poland spring water, spring water is when you talk about the water quality itself is better than most of the water that we put through, let's say our tap water that we put through a filtration system where a ton of other things are getting through there. So, you know, you just can't win. That's right? fair. I will say Poland spring yeah. water doesn't come from a spring though. I know. I know, but it's still yeah, better it than like, filtered when you buy like, you know, purified quote unquote water. That's basically tap water that's run through a filter. Poland spring, is, Poland spring is actually also tap water that's just run through a filter. Oh, God, come on. You're killing me. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to break it to you this way. But yeah, no, Poland spring, uh, they got in uh, trouble because they, they are not spring water. Gosh, you're killing me here. See, and I'm you, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, no. Trying, it's I'm okay. But this is, yeah, this is the whole thing. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. You try. There's a and lot, you know, but... You want to think about the environment and you want to think about your 
how you're taking care of yourself and what you're putting into your body and what your, you know, your family's putting into their body. And between all of it, like my head's going to explode and I'm sure I'm not alone. It's a lot. I feel that way. I feel that way a lot, but I will say, you know, the, the water that, that is in your pull and spring bottle besides, you know, these microplastics that I was talking about, mm-hmm. they are probably a health concern, but we don't really know yet. Right. So if that's, if that's probably the main difference between that and your tap water, besides a couple other things, you know, the plastic bottle itself going into the waste, I would say like, you know, there's no real reason to, to panic here because okay. when it comes down to it, these, these amounts of these chemicals that are leaching out are, are pretty low, right? These amounts of these, these micro particles are pretty low. I would suggest avoiding them when you can right, and doing right. your best. Right. Uh, because, you know, there are some that we are still learning about the health effects of. So I would definitely uh, suggest avoiding them. But if you can't, uh, don't beat yourself up because it does, it does happen and we're, none of us are perfect, right? Well, yeah, I know. But I'm also the, of the firm belief that, you know, you, what you don't know can hurt you. And then once you know, you know, and you can't go back. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the one thing I've learned from doing this podcast and the research that I do on other aspects is like, once I know, I know, and I can't unknow it. <laughs> you know? That's totally fair. But hey, right. knowledge is also a good thing, right? If you absolutely. know this kind of stuff, no, then absolutely. Absolutely. the next time you're out there, you can do better. Exactly. So how about this question? What can the beauty industry as a whole then do to clean up its act? So I think there's a couple of things that I would suggest. Um, sure. So we haven't talked about this much, but there's this concept called green chemistry. Uh, oh, it was invented okay. about, about 20-ish years ago. And green chemistry is the idea that we should be making non-hazardous stuff, using non-hazardous stuff, and making sure that our waste is, minimal, is, is minimized and also not hazardous, right? So Yeah, idea, that sounds perfect. <laughs> it sounds great, right? It sounds, right. It sounds amazing. It's, it's unfortunately a thing that doesn't happen in a lot of industries. Okay. But there are there are a lot of leaders that are coming out that are really working on using green chemistry in their labs. So a good example is Estee Lauder. They have invested so much money in green Ooh. chemistry principles and they make sure that they are making products for people that the workers that are making the products in the factory aren't hurt by the chemicals that are being mixed. And the chemicals that the user uses aren't bad. And the chemicals that are being released to the environment are as not bad as possible. And that's the first thing that should be, I wish that that was an industry standard. Um, and hopefully a company as large as, as Estee Lauder can, can eventually make that become an industry standard. Okay. Um, but Any at the same other? time, you know, yeah, yeah, I would definitely, you know, we talked about this before, but I would say move towards, you know, refillable containers, right. That's going to limit your waste the most. Okay. Uh, especially, you know, move towards glass containers if you can, because that'll also eliminate leaching that, you know, that, that small, that tiny, tiny amount of leaching that can happen. And that'll eliminate that tiny, tiny amount of microplastics that could happen that aren't already in the product. Um, and I think the last one is if you do still love that feeling of that scrubbing feeling that the microbeads give you and that smooth feeling from the microbeads, I would suggest you know, leaning towards some of the more natural alternatives. So like there was, like, yeah. So yeah, a study came out about uh, in 2020 in Nature Sustainability. It's a really great journal where they talked about options like uh, crushed walnut shells, yep. oats, yep. Uh, sugars, and uh, jojoba seeds, which all have that same kind of feeling of micro yep. of microbeads and microplastics, but 
they do it in a way that, you know, eventually can degrade it naturally in the environment and has essentially no harm to fish, no harm to plants, no harm to humans. And it's like the cream of the crop. That's what you should be going. Well, you know, the one good thing to come out of this pandemic was a lot of us women were making our own scrubs (laughs) and, you know, using things like around the house, like oatmeal and whatever. So, um, I haven't gone back. Like I haven't, you know, I, I check. I I don't put any of those microbeads. I haven't used them in years and years. I never really cared for them myself. So I don't like things that like yeah. burst. You know, like me neither. Yeah, it was just bizarre to me. Um, they were in your um, like toothpaste too, and I bite down and like, oh, oh where yeah, did this like ew. huge flavor come from? It scared. It scared me. Yeah, you know? it, it, yeah. It's it's just it's not it's not. Good. Well, it's not a fan. Was well, not. But a fan. yeah, me neither. Um. So besides Estee Lauder, which by the way, unfortunately, does do animal testing still. So they do. They do. Yeah. Um. But by the way, anybody, if you don't already know this, any brand that you beauty brand that you use that's sold in, uh, in China, they have to do animal testing. So you know that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, you do do check. If, if cruelty free means a lot to you as it means to me, but I wish if, if Estee Lauder would stop the animal testing, I would be like, woohoo, but it is good to that's hear. That's totally, that's totally understandable. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Any other brands that are into this green chemistry that you were speaking about that we should know about? I'd love, I'd defi- love for us to support brands that, you know, are supporting our health. And, and they're definitely health. the leaders in it. Um, okay. I'm not really sure of any other ones that have like a formalized version okay. of this. Okay. Uh, I know that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time working in the uh, Yale Center for Green Chemistry and Green Engineering, and Estee Lauder was a partner in developing these green principles. So uh, outside of that, I, there are, I'm sure there are other brands that have informalized versions. A lot of the brands that use uh, what you could call all natural products right, um, right. probably accidentally use um, green <laughs> engineering or green chemistry principles. So can we research but, uh, that, you think? And f- is that easy for the normal lay person like myself to, you know. Yeah, I would, I would honestly type uh, green chemistry principles and cosmetics into, into Google. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of good, a lot of good hits to come back that might be outside of Estee Lauder. Okay. And you know what? Okay. So that kind of leads me to another, what can we do again? Can we to help the beauty industry clean up its act? I mean, obviously get vocal about it, but what else can we be doing? Yeah, so I, I love this quote. Um, it's from Anne-Marie uh, Bono, the, the Zero Waste Chef. And she says, uh, we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We just, we need millions of people doing it imperfectly. So I like to think this is, you know, this is a, an opportunity for you to just make small little changes, spread, mm-hmm. your, spread your voice, use your network, use your following. Mm-hmm. to to inform people of ways that they can do better for the planet. And if you can get a lot of people to make these also these tiny little changes, that's way more impactful than just you throwing away everything you've ever done, all the stuff you've ever owned and just starting from scratch, right? Because that larger impact is going to be what moves even more people beyond that, right? And that now continues to expand until we're in a point where everybody's doing just enough better where we're actually doing very well. Oh, and by the way, so I, yeah, I agree. Like during, I, I had a a little bout of COVID, um, about six weeks ago, locked in my bedroom, basically quarantining when I have, you know, a bathroom off that 
And I decided I'm going to take this time to go through all my beauty products and get rid of anything that's old. And, you know, and I found tons. There was a giant pile on my floor, which is sad because, you know, where that's going out of my house. Of course. Right. But at the same time, it's probably a good idea to get rid of really old stuff. Oh, absolutely. Bacteria. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, And by the way, I learned this in another podcast. I'm going to bring it up again. I keep a Sharpie now in my cabinet where I keep my products. Well, one of the, one of the places, but, and I write the date that I opened it because, uh, you just a beauty product had nothing to do with the, the, the packaging, but generally you have a year to use once you open it, a beauty product, some of them a lot less like a vitamin C, uh, so that I know when it's time to discard it because I found some things I'm sure had been in my bathroom for a good five, six years. I hadn't touched them in that amount of time. They were just like hidden out of my sight you know, uh, and I found them, but I found, uh, all these, uh, now Mac cosmetics has always had a a recycling program Mm -hmm. and that if you bring in six containers, so that could be like a lipstick and, you know, uh, uh, a a cream, whatever, any makeup or a skincare product, but six containers, they give you a free lipstick. So I gathered up. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal. And they've been doing that for forever, by the way, but they also animal test. They, but anyway, um, Trade-offs. I know, I know. Um, but I do like their lipstick. Sorry. And I, last week I walked into Macy's with my big bag, <laughs> like put it down. I'm like, I'll take this color, this color and this color lipstick. And I still left and I still have some, you know, so, you know, doing a little bit of research and knowing what companies I think at least want you to bring back containers. I'd be better if they would refill them right there and then for you, but that's not always clean. You can't just like walk into a store and be like, here, refill this, but we should be. The trade-off would be bringing it back. They take it back and clean it for you and put it in a new clean. That's what I was going to say. Recycling them all day, you know, that's, that's where, that's where the best options. That's what I, I I hope that we see more and more of that. So it seems this problem is, um, is on a monumental scale. And you basically are saying that we as consumers, even if we do a little bit can make a dent. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely the philosophy that I follow. It's the philosophy that we follow at Finch, which is do a little bit better. You know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You don't need to go out and like make, you, you don't have to go out and make your own oat-based uh, makeup goods inside of your bathtub <laughs> if you don't want to, right? You, you, it's, that's totally fine to, to buy what you need to feel your best. We just say, do it in a way that is a little bit better than you would have done the previous day. And in that way, you're just... It, just that much better, right? Right. I agree. So if you want to make more sustainable beauty choices, but aren't sure how, where should someone start? Well, I definitely suggest uh, following us. So uh, try us out at choosefinch.com. Choosefinch.com. We have a choosefinch.com. Yeah. We have a browser extension that recently went live a few weeks ago. So as you shop on Amazon for anything from personal care products to blankets and towels and things like that, well, that's great. We will tell you the sustainability score out of 10 that you should know about. And then we will suggest alternatives that might be a little bit more sustainable and better for the environment than what you wanted to get otherwise. Oh, that's um, fantastic. And then on that, okay, it's great. great. It, it yeah. works really well. We've, we have coverage of a few hundred thousand products now. And, you know, it's, it's really, really fun. I, honestly, like I've been going on and seeing how our rating system works. I, I, you know, I helped design the rating system and I'm still learning things every day about the products that. I should and shouldn't be getting. So it's really exciting. That is. Uh, we also, on the same website, so choosefinch.com, we also have blogs where we talk about some of the 
the scientific stuff that you should know about what you're buying, as well as the more fun things. So, you know, top five ways to pop top five things to buy for your Valentine's that are sustainable or, or things along that line. Okay. Um, and we also have what are called wise guides. So as you're shopping for a type of product, say a shampoo or a conditioner, we have a wise guide for that, which will tell you all the things you need to know the next time you go shopping for shampoo. So what you should be looking for. So the good, the bad, the ugly, and the world's sustainability. And we also tell you, you know, maybe five, six, seven options of what we suggest that you buy if you want to do good for the planet, but also make it so it's good for you. I love that. Oh, good. It's really fun. It's I really, love a really solution. Fun. I love a solution. And I love uh, that, you know, I, I can see myself, I, I think after we're done, I'm probably going to go down the black rabbit hole of uh, checking out everything that I use and like and see. You know, because I yeah, think a lot of us buy our products from Amazon and that is a really scary proposition because a lot of it too, there's like, you know, is it the real product? Are you buying counterfeit? Are you buying, a, you know, there's just so many, it's like the wild west there. Yeah. And, and like we said, you know, there's, there's obviously there's people want to be more sustainable. Right. And so there is a little bit of a way for people to kind of use what's called greenwashing. Right. So, yes. Yes. um, yeah, this greenwashing where people say it's all natural or they say it's chemical free or whatever it is, right? That is really helpful. But like I said, you know, chemical free isn't, is tough to identify because the whole world is made of chemicals. Uh, and some chemicals are good and some chemicals are bad. Right. right. You have to eat. I, I try to say that as well with beauty products. Some of the chemicals that are in these products are actually okay and they're good for you. So, you know, you can't be like no chemicals, you know, just know which ones are harmful and which ones are not. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There, there are really, really great for you synthetic chemicals that are really good for your health and for your skin. And there are natural chemicals that are the opposite that might be bad for you and cause allergies or cause some kind of swelling. Right. So just because it says all natural or chemical free doesn't always mean that it's the perfect solution. So you want to make sure that what you're buying is backed by what the scientific experts and uh, you know, people that care deeply about making sure that your health is good and that the environment is lasting in a strong way. Uh, what they want to say is, is, is followed through when you're shopping. Yeah. The two, you can do both. You can be healthy and care about the environment at the same time. A hundred percent. There's, right. there's not mutually exclusive. You can always, you can always be healthy and you can always make sure that the animals and plants around you are healthy too. Oh, I love that. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? Anything that you wanted to add, say, before we go? Uh, I don't think so. I've had a great, a great time being here. (laughs) I'm really happy. I love talking about science. I love talking about sustainability. um, And I love talking about how it can help you and, and your skin and your wellness as you move forward. So this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. This is, this has really been very enlightening. And uh, okay, we are going to wrap it up. So guys, please make sure, or women, or basically guys, sorry. Um, Check out choosefinch.com and go down the rabbit hole, which I plan on doing myself momentarily. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be horrified at some of the things that I use. Uh, I don't think so. I think you're going to be happy with it. (laughs) We'll see. I'll, I'll report back. Okay, if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast every other week. So please contact Lauren at fountainofthirty.com for sponsorship opportunities. So take care, everyone. And remember, even a little bit 
really helped a lot. So try to recycle and reuse even just a little bit. Do your, do your part. Thanks. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye.